The Rookie Leaders Podcast, Episode 9, Emotional Intelligence, Succeed Where Others Failed. Welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast, the podcast of veteran leaders offering leadership lessons to newbies. Whether you're brand new to leadership or extending your leadership responsibilities, this podcast will provide the knowledge and experience you need to lead courageously and effectively. This podcast is a production of the Credible Leadership Group, a coaching and consulting firm devoted to your leadership development, career advancement, and personal growth. Learn more at CredibleLeaders.com. So grab your notebook, a pen, and your bulletproof coffee as we explore the leadership lessons every leader needs to master. Now, here's your host, Michael Tanner. Well, hello everyone, Michael Tanner, your host, and welcome to another episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am blessed and honored that you're listening into the podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about emotional intelligence. And in fact, today, I have the honor of sharing with you a interview that I did with Kingsley Grant uh, and wanting to talk about his expertise in leadership, which is emotional intelligence. Now, just to kind of introduce Kingsley and and what he's doing in the area of leadership and, and so forth. Let me give you just a, a little bit of information before I dive right into uh, the interview with Kingsley. Uh, Kingsley Grant is the author of the book, The Emotelligent Leader, Succeed Where Others Failed. And I completely agree with that uh, subtitle that he has to his wonderful book. I've read the book. It's a great book. And I completely agree with the subtitle, Succeed Where Others Failed. So many times when I see leadership or or leaders that have failed in some way or another, it's because uh, they were lacking in some way in emotional intelligence, recognizing and controlling their own emotions or recognizing and working with and through others' emotions. It's a huge, huge leadership skill that we should all develop. And I believe Kingsley uh, is helping many, many leaders to do that. And certainly his book is, is doing that as well. Uh, Kingsley is on a mission to redefine leadership from being a title or a position to being a way of life. Leadership should not be what you do, but who you are. Uh, Kingsley is devoted to helping others become the leader that everyone loves and wants to follow. And you can find out more details about Kingsley at kingsleygrant.com. That's K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-N-T.com. Or you can also find links in uh, to his website in the show notes of this particular episode at rookieleaders.com. Now, without further ado, because it's rather lengthy, I want to go ahead and dive into the uh, interview with uh, Kingsley Grant. So without further ado, here is my interview with Kingsley Grant. Okay, welcome everyone to the podcast, and and I have the great honor uh, today of introducing you to Kingsley Grant. Kingsley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michael. It's a pleasure being here, and I look forward to having a conversation with you. I, you know, I just I'm excited for our audience because I, I know that here we have the culmination of a Jamaican accent and a Southern accent. And uh, if the audience can keep up with us today, 
<laughs> then we know they're good. We know they're good. So welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you uh, on the show. And uh, as a part of this episode, I really want to introduce our audience to your book. So we're going to really kind of focus on your book, uh, but it's called The Emotelligent Leader. And I'm going to leave the subtitle out for now uh, right. because uh, as we discuss, I really want you to get into the subtitle and explain what that is and what it means uh, because okay. I think it's really, really important. But your book is The the, the Emotelligent Leader. And I've heard you describe before how you took emotional and intelligence and you put those together for emotelligent. And I think that's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things I would really like to dive into is just what motivated you in the first place? What, you know, sitting down and writing a book, it's not an easy task. Right. So <laughs> what was it? What was the passion in your heart to to write this book? You know, um, for me, Michael, I figured that I wanted to communicate some things in different ways. And, you know, I call myself, I'm a speaker who writes. Some people say they are writers. I see myself as a, you know, I wouldn't, not, that doesn't lead for me because I don't write that much. I speak more. And so I wanted to find a way to leave something that is, you know, people can have and consume in a manner where, number one, they want it. But more important than that, all of that is this, that I wanted to, I had an aha moment, Michael, because through for the many years, I wanted to find a way to talk about things that has to do with people and their emotions and their lives and their behavior. And I found that I could not find the right way to describe that. And so one day I was exposed to the whole idea of emotional intelligence and um, that kind of started the ball rolling for me and I realized, okay, this may be the, the uh, vehicle through which I can speak about the things that I know very well. And um, I figured this could be also that flagship book that really mm -hmm. allow me to zone in on what I believe would be a um, something of a legacy for me. And so it kind of just one thing led to another and I just really decided to put it down, my thoughts down on paper. And, you know, eventually I had a book. <laughs> right, right. Well, I know it's not an easy task again. And I know that there's got to be uh, some real passion and some motivation behind, you know, the, the work it is to put together a book. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that you uh, that you did that for those that are that are going to be reading the book. And I certainly hope and recommend to the audience that you that you get your hands on this book. I know you can get it. Uh, on Amazon. That's where I got mine. Yes. Um, and so you can Thank get you. it there for sure. Um, well, tell me then, because uh, I, I believe there's a lot of great content in this book. And so just for the audience, um, give us the highlights of what experience or, or educational background or whatever it might be that has influenced the content that you put into your book. Um, you know, for me, I have, I, I say I'm very qualified to write this book for one of the main reasons is because I've made a lot of mistakes, you know, as a leader, both in my personal and professional life, I have made, you know, I made them all basically. Yeah, and join the crowd. <laughs> yeah, right. And realize that, you know, I can speak from a place of, of experiential, you know, um, an experiential, experiential place. And so, I decided that, well, since I've had that in most personal as a father, as a person that led myself, but also, you know, we're talking about that as well, but the um, positions I've held over the years in leadership, mm -hmm. leading teams both locally and taking teams overseas 
to do different kind of work, I realized that those are some skills that I have learned along the way and, and um, basically sharpened of, as a result of having no other choice. Right. So that is really what is one, one aspect of that. But secondly, is my um, training as a psychotherapist where is, you know, studying people's human, human behavior mm-hmm. and mental conditions that I had to, you know, be trained in that regards. And then also as an adjunct professor teaching interpersonal skills at, um, to adults, having to be able to break that down in a manner where they can understand and apply to their own lives, but also the, the, the um, different work space they might find themselves in years to come. So those are the things that I believe helped prepare me and made me better qualified to write this book. Excellent. Excellent. Good. I'm sure the psychotherapy training that you have has helped tremendously. Uh, I know in my own leadership at times, uh, you know, I wish I had some type of counseling background or psychotherapy yeah. background or, uh, because I really felt at times um, insufficient, inadequate mm-hmm. in those types of areas, those areas of my leadership. So uh, I'm yeah. certain that that equipped you greatly for this book, but also in your leadership roles. Um, well, I think that probably as we dive into the book, one of the first things that we should do is just talk about and let, allow you the time to talk about what is an emotelligent leader? So could you kind of describe that for our audience? Then we'll dive into some of the chapters of the book. Sure. Thanks so much for asking that question, because I believe what the distinctive mark of an emotelligent leader is really someone who is, and I just describe it this way, and I kind of kind of walk back and share, um, uh, unpack that for in a few minutes, but is that leader who is able to recognize, understand, and manage his or her, her emotions and the relationships around them and be more skilled in decision-making, relationship management, and job performance. That person who is able to do that very well, I call uh, that person a more intelligent leader. You know, what happened is that leader set him or herself apart because they're not just leading from the intellect. A lot of people can do that. And so many leaders get into their position because they have um, gained that through performance uh, or through their intellectual ability. Right. But what happened is this, that people don't lose their job for their intellectual ability. Very rarely is that the case is because of their behavior, because of their performance of their relationship where they get on, get you know, get along with people or not get along with people. Mm-hmm. And so I say that the intellectual um, part of our being gets us in the door. Now, what keeps us in the door is our intelligence, and which is simply an ability then, as I mentioned before, is how to harness my emotions, how to take that and make certain that I'm not allowing my emotions to get ahead of me or to sabotage some things that I need um, to really have a relationship with people that really help them develop them so we all can move in the same direction and they know that I have their best interest at heart. So an intelligent leader is a person who truly make people very important. It's not, they're not a number. They are, they matter to them as a leader. And those people know very well that they matter because that leader makes no bones about it. They're not going to throw them under the bus. They're not going to try to undermine them. They're going to treat them as a human being. And I think that is what makes an intelligent leader such a person that was, would truly make a difference in their uh, people's lives that they're leading. 
Right. Oh, that is so important. I, I really love that, uh, Kingsley. And and I, I believe you're exactly right. I see it all the time where you have that individual contributor that is a rock star in their role. It's a salesman, it's an engineer, whatever it might be. They're a rock star as an individual contributor and they get promoted into a leadership role uh, because of their intellect. Right? As you describe, you separate those yeah. two emotional intelligence and just IQ, intellectual intelligence, right? Um, and so they get promoted into leadership roles because of that intellect they have as an individual contributor, but then they're not educated or trained at all on the skills of leadership. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of people call them soft skills, whatever, yeah. however you, you, you phrase that, that oftentimes they're talking about those skills that are related to emotions, those skills yes. that are related to uh, working with others, uh, you know, through emotion, you know, high emotion situations. And, yes. uh, and so I, I, I think it's brilliant that you, uh, one, that you uh, distinguish between those two, but then you're really passionate about educating the leaders on e the emotional intelligence inside of that, which is, I believe, uh, what many of us are lacking uh, in, in terms of leadership, but also in terms of the, the official training and education that we get, especially from the corporate world. Right. And I agree a hundred percent with that. I think you, you're, you're spot on. You know, I was recently coaching with a lady and you know, this is what she said to me and her words were, you know, she was promoted for to a position because she did so well mm -hmm. in, in the other, you know, in the under areas that she was working, she did so well there that, Hey, you know what, you will be good to be a leader, a team leader. Mm -hmm. And she says to me, and the reason why we're in this coaching relationship is that she feels so burnt out. And she said, I hate being a team leader. And she said, I met with my boss and said, would you put me back to where I was before? Because I was happier. I did better there. I just cannot really, you know, I'm stressed and I just don't like this feeling as a team leader. I'm right. thinking, wow, imagine this, that she would rather go back to what she had because she was not, number one, she's saying that I'm not called to this. Number two, I'm not prepared for this. I can't handle this. So put me back to where I was. And it just goes to show what you just said, Michael, is that some people are promoted because of their performance and then they make a disastrous you know, person in that position. Right. And, you know, I've seen it myself in, in other places as well. So it's not a not the best way to put a person in leadership is because of not because of their performance or their tenure. Those are, you know, it can be factored in, but they should right. not be the, the um, priority reasons to put them in leadership. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's such a shame because one, you know, those people are not bad people. Uh, no. You know, they, they're, and, and as I said earlier, oftentimes they're rock stars as it relates to, you know, being members of our teams. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that we, put them in a position, but then we don't equip them. We don't educate them for that new role, that new leadership role. And before you know it, they're burned out. You know, just like you, you spoke of this lady they're they're in a position that they either want to go back to that individual contributor role, or they want to leave the company altogether. Yes. Uh, and, and either way, that is such a shame because you've got such a, you know, a rock star team member, you put them in a, in a role that they're not prepared for. And then you do nothing for them in terms of equipping them. And before you know it, you've got a situation like you're dealing with in, in coaching. And I certainly hope that, you know, through your coaching, you're able to equip her and give her yeah. the education and the skills she needs to be the leader that no doubt she wants to be. Right. And certainly the leader that her team needs her to be as well. So 
uh, I encourage you there to uh, stay with her, and and I encourage yes. her. I hope she's listening as well to to stay at it. You can be an effective leader, and I'm certain you can do that with Kingsley's coaching. Well, well Kingsley, I, I mentioned it earlier, and I'm going to let you, if you will, let the cat out of the bag about the subtitle of your book because I think that the subtitle of your book is, you know, it's there's lots of great content in your book, but there's nothing more true about uh, your book than your subtitle. I love the subtitle and I think it's spot on. I think it's exactly accurate. So if you could just share with the audience, the subtitle of your book and, and explain why you feel that is true. Yeah. So the book of course is entitled the Immortelligent leader succeed where others failed. And, you know, I've seen so many leaders and you mentioned before, good people who have actually had disastrous end results mm -hmm. and they failed. And, you know, the thing is, Michael, is the areas that they failed in could have been avoided. That's the, the tough part. And I, when I see that, I'm thinking, had they just had the ability or be taught or being coached or whatever the case might be, just to tweak something, because they were just one skill away from possibly mm -hmm. becoming the best leader that they could ever be. But just that missing ingredient or piece cause them to go down in disaster. I've seen so many leaders who have made a mess in all spectrum of society where because of something they were unable to manage their emotions or manage people well, they end up either being fired or they end up having to step aside or whatever else the reason might be. So I've seen so many leaders who have failed and I'm thinking, how can we stop this bleeding. What can be done so leaders can have a better way at ending strong and also leaving legacy and create great significance and, you know, and all those different things. And I'm thinking that there's, what's the missing ingredient? Because again, they are smart people, a lot of smart people who are right. actually doing great job, but here these smart people, you know, are making some very dumb decisions or just something that could have been avoided. Yes. Yeah. And so if it was only intellectual um, need, then they, that was, they would still be there. So there was something missing. And I realized that what the missing ingredient was, which we mentioned before, through my research and my, my um, looking at uh, my observation and so on, realized emotional intelligence based on the research and the studies have said that is one of the skill that of all the skills that we use in, in any area, 60% of our success is based upon our ability to manage our emotions because it's right. really a huge part of our overall um, function, uh, how we function and how we operate. So really, I want to help leaders to avoid becoming a statistics and another person that says, you know, man, I blew it, I failed when it could have been avoided. And so that's why I say this is about how to succeed where others have failed. Don't become one of the others. Right. Such good stuff. And, and thank you so much for sharing statistics like that. Numbers really speak to me. And so to recognize that, you know, 60% uh, of leadership is, is in some way tied to uh, emotions. Um, you have a chapter in your book and, and I'll uh, uh, speak for it for just a moment, but then I'll let you speak into it as well. But you have a chapter in your book entitled Emotions Matter. And, you know, the statistics that you just shared and some of the reasonings that you just shared to me speak to why emotions matter and your subtitle succeed where others fail. I, you know, I believe I'm, I'm right there with you and in, in feeling like 
where leaders fail most likely is in the emotional intelligence area. It's not their, you know, individual intellect. It's not their technical skills or, or performance or whatever that might've gotten them into leadership where leadership fails is most likely tied to the emotional intelligence. And so that's why emotions matter because of the numbers you just shared and because of those that are failing at leadership, it's most likely tied to emotional intellect. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I'm glad the way that you framed it that way, Michael, because, um, you know, when, uh, um, Howard Gardner, one of the researchers, when he was looking back on what is it that was missing and what he came up with prior to Daniel Goleman writing that, you know, um, groundbreaking book about emotional intelligence, he found that there were, he called them the seven different kinds of in intelligences. And he realized he, he mentioned internet, intellectual intelligence as one of those seven intelligences. And he said that that only accounts for 20% of people's success. And the, the question is, where is it other 80%? And that's when the research found that the 60% of the 60 of the 80 was emotional intelligence. Right. And what happened is that we are emotional creatures. Yes. You know, we, we tend to somehow discard or somehow mis dismiss or don't want to think about that, especially as guys, you know, I'm from Jamaica and growing up in Jamaica, we were taught that we should not show our emotions right. too much because especially boys, boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. We need to suppress our emotions, right? And keep it under check. So some leaders are afraid to use, to think of themselves as an emotional person. You know, I'm not saying you ought to become emotional, but right. we have emotions. It's what drive how we do our passions. It's what causes us to rise up and go after certain things that we are successful at. So it's a very important part of our being. You know, we will make decisions uh, from our emotional state and mm -hmm. then we try to justify that later on rationally. Because we have two brains, right? Our rational right. brain and our emotional brain. But most times what precedes us is our emotional brain. And then we try to figure a way to put logic and, and reason around that. And so because we are an emotional being and we ought to factor that in, we will realize we can make better decisions. I mentioned before, mm -hmm. we can manage our relationship with our people better if we are able to sit on our emotions pull it back, step back from that to allow ourselves to be more present and work with what it is that our brain want us to um, bring into that moment, which is basically our rational brain right. to reason better, to think through things and not do, be so rash in decision making and so on. Yeah. You know, that's such an important aspect of emotional intelligence. I know there's lots of other dynamics to emotional intelligence, you know, knowing and controlling your own emotions, but also understanding and, and being able to, to communicate with uh, others in their emotional state. But if there was no other dynamic other than decision-making to me, that would be worth understanding and knowing emotional intelligence because uh, you know, in, in the decision-making process, as you, as you alluded to earlier, oftentimes we make very, very, very important decisions emotionally. Uh, and, and if yes. it's just so important that we recognize our own emotions, we control those emotions and, and, and possibly set those emotions aside for the yes. sake of making a good, rational, logical decision rather than letting our emotion just 
control us and make a bad decision. So if there were no other reason to understand emotional intelligence, decision-making would be sufficient in my book. But I understand there's lots of other dynamics to it as well, but it's crucial to decision-making. And I agree 100% with that. And I, you know, I highlight the two and really, you know, highlight uppercase, you know, that very thought, Michael, because I believe that, in our daily interaction and the stressors and the deadlines and all the different things we have to get done as leaders, that we are, our emotions are very much high at stake in those moments. And if we're not careful, that is a very thing that will allow us to not succeed with our team or with a project because we blew it up. We blew Mm -hmm. everything up because we're unable to manage what could be otherwise managed and get better results. And that's why you're right. Decision-making is one of those high and most important part, I believe, of our leadership, which we do all the time. We're constantly making decisions and, um, uh, you know, right on the spot sometimes. So we need to give ourselves a chance to succeed and buy ourselves time to have a better way to make better decisions. Right. Well, you've got, um, there's at least uh, 16 or so chapters here in your book, and we've talked about one. We better move on to yes. some of the others. One of the chapters I really, really loved and appreciate your, your speaking to it was uh, you've got a title, uh, a chapter titled here, Leadership is Stewardship. I really like the word stewardship, but could you kind of unpack that and explain that for our audience? What's the, the principle behind that chapter of leadership is stewardship? Yeah, you know, it's one of those old words that I, I'm trying to revitalize and bring back into our thinking and in our daily vernacular, because what happened is really about the whole idea of stewarding something is to care for, to manage, to be responsible for, and to realize we have a privilege as leaders with people who have voluntarily, you know, we may have been given that leadership position, but people have signed up to be a part of that organization, and we are given that opportunity, a privilege to lead them. And so the word stewardship is means the careful and, and responsible management of something, right? Something that maybe, you know, for them, the environment, to, to be a steward of the environment is to be, to be mindful, to care for, to take our time to make sure we are making uh, good decisions and for our overall well-being. Mm-hmm. Well, the same idea is true as a leader, you have a responsibility to, to manage, to care for. And people really want to know that you care because as you've heard the phrase, many, the statement many times, people don't know, don't care how much you know. They want, they care how much you, they know, want to know how much you care for them, right? Right, right? And so that is what stewardship means. It means that we as leaders have to start with it, with this as a base. If we're going to build relationship and do any kind of um, team um, kind of uh the, the harmony and just the, the dynamic of the team, I believe stewardship has to be our base where we set in motion this idea and this tone for our people, our team, that, hey, I want you to know my job is to care for you, is to care for your well-being, mm-hmm. is to make certain that you as a person succeed, is to make that you per, as a person um, tap into your God-given potential, is to make that you, um, certain as you as a person, is able to release your passion. That is what a steward does. He or she truly, truly, genuinely send that, um, telegraph that message to their people that, hey, I want you to succeed. Because if you don't succeed, I don't succeed. That's what the heart of a steward does. 
Man, I, I again, I, Kingsley, I love the word and I love your description and definition of that and and how you tie that to leadership because I certainly see that as the the role of a leader to care about and and you know to use this word to minister to yes. and you know and just work for those that uh, that we're leading. I, I believe that's such an incredible aspect of leadership and and you do a great job in this chapter of. Uh, I, as you can tell, I'm kind of a numbers guy. I'm a, I'm a formula guy. I'm a, I'm a list guy. And you have a great list here that I really appreciate. Uh, it's uh, the five areas or the five ways to care uh, for your team members. And you use the acronym PEERS. Could you right. kind of describe those five uh, areas in which we should care for our team members? Yeah, you know, I the word um, peers because I think of you going to a pier and you actually look across the the water to the horizon and the serenity and the beauty of all of that. And I'm thinking, imagine that you are able to look across your team and just seeing that serenity and the, that tranquility and the beauty of that as you would look from a pier across the ocean. Mm-hmm. And and the idea then is how do we get that? So I figure. There's five domains that I believe if we can address them, we can get that kind of uh, um, out uh, the outcome I just described. And that is the first one is P is for physical, mm-hmm. I is for intellectual, E is for emotional, R is for relational, and S is for spiritual. And I just quickly mentioned that this is it that a person needs to know that you are you care for their physical well being. Mm-hmm. You know you're you're doing everything possible to make sure that they know that you want their physical well-being to be top-notch because if that goes so goes also their performance and right. everything else as well so true and the eye the is intellectual what are you doing to help them to become better to develop themselves what resources are you um, offering them and providing for them so they can be intellectually stimulated and it could be conversation it could be uh, just resources that they can access those other things that you're also saying you want them to develop their mind because the better they become that way mm-hmm. then the better they are able to pour into the company the organization the easy emotions because again we mentioned about emotional earlier and we are all emotional beings and people will come to work sometimes and in that in the, as a part of the team am i really sensitive am i looking out for how things are impacting them can i tell and do i lean in to make certain that they know that i'm looking out for even their emotional well-being their mental right. well-being we are living in a time today where some leaders um, are maybe overlooking the mental well-being of people and we are seeing the results um, from that because it's an overlooked thing that we ought not to. And then of course our relational, the R is relational, is how are we building relationships with them? How are we providing opportunities for them to build relationship with one another? And it could be done through, of course, many means of doing that, but just simply getting together, having lunch, whatever it might be, we we have to create um, avenues for them to express themselves relationally. And I had to also make myself available. Mm -hmm. And the last one is S is spiritual. And I know some people make that, oh, wow, are you asking me to look over this person's spiritual well-being? Well, yes and no. I think we have to also realize there's a part of our being that really is a spiritual aspect to our, our overall um, well-being. And we have to address either directly or indirectly. And right. I know this for me. I remember when I was working in a 
in the post office uh, many, many years ago. And I remember I wanted to go to church on Sunday. It was very important to me. Mm-hmm. And my, my supervisor would want me to work. And I'm telling you, you know, I had to repent and ask God to forgive me right. <laughs> because right. I would, my work would not be good on that Sunday. I would sulk. I would be yeah. slow. Yeah. I, want, I didn't want to be there, you know. But it wasn't the right thing to do, but it just shows that I wanted to allow have him allow me a chance to, a, to tap into what is important to me, my spiritual well-being. And a lot of people are that way. Yeah. We have to be sensitive to that. And I believe if we address, address, address those five areas, we have a better chance to create that serenity, tranquility, and a beautiful horizon looking across the pier. Good stuff. And again, I, I really appreciate the formula that you place there. And, and as a leader myself, you know, I can easily kind of memorize that and then go make application of that acronym to my own leadership. And so I really appreciate you putting it in that format. And, and as we kind of one final chapter, I want to touch on a, at least a subsection of that chapter uh, relates to the relational part of your formula here, uh, because you also have a chapter entitled leadership is relationship. I'm a firm believer that that is true Um, in all of my leadership experience, as well as all of my leadership education, leadership is relationship. It's not about uh, command and control. It's not an authoritative. It's not title-based or or anything like that. It's uh, good, effective leadership is very much relationship-based. And so I, I, like you, I'm sure work really, really hard to have really good relationships with those that I lead. But there's a subsection you have here that I I really love and, frankly, I struggle with greatly as it relates to emotional intelligence. So I really want you to help us uh, with this particular section. But in your uh, Leadership is Relationship chapter, you have a a subsection that is entitled Manage Their Emotions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm I'm implying here but that first got to understand their emotions, but then two, in some way, you have to manage their emotions. I struggle with that greatly. Could you kind of unpack that and, and help us? How do we manage the emotions of those that we lead? You know, um, Michael, I, I truly love your approach because, I, I again, I want to mention this. I had you as, as a guest on my podcast, and you did a tremendous job. And I love your idea of the golden rule because that is a thing, the lens to which you look and how you lead and teach leadership, which I think is so profound. And I really enjoy that conversation. And I believe it's something very um, same here or similar here because what happened is that my ability to look around and read and know my people so well, right? Know them so well that I can tell if something is off. And Mm -hmm. if we are, have that sensitivity, and that awareness, so we are aware of our own emotions. We know when something is off for us, and we're able to translate that and kind of project that where others are having an off day, for example. And when we are able to detect and then become curious and inquire about what's happening, that person knows that you are truly showing sensitivity to them. You care about them, and it just up the idea of you as a leader who they want to celebrate and make certain that you win. And I find some leaders are so busy. They're so busy in their task and getting the end you know, result is like, yes, bottom line is a productivity and the job done. But you cannot do that without people having a having their well-being be as high as it ought to be. If they're not right. doing well emotionally, 
Forget about the results you're looking for. So as a leader, we have to lean in, become sensitive, and have our eyes and our ears open to what it is we're seeing. And if something looks off, it's to become curious and to ask and to stop and make certain that person knows you want them to be healthy in the five areas, but especially in their emotions. And you're leading that, you're initiating that speaks volumes to them because right, some people right. overlook and don't see that. But when you see it, you're thinking, man, you know what? I'll go to the end of the earth for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's such a important aspect of, you know, it, when someone is in um, uh, other than desirable emotional state and their leader recognizes that, right? There's yeah. just something different about your behavior. There's just something different about your demeanor or something, but you have, such a good relationship that your leader recognizes that and then cares enough to ask about it. You know, as it relates to relationship in leadership, I often say, let those you lead define where the boundaries are. Yes. Right. And so, but just, it, just sharing with them that I'm willing, right. If, yeah. if they want to give me all the details of whatever has them in such a bad emotional state, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to get in there and hear them and even help them if I can. Sometimes yes. it's, I'm just a guy that you vent to and I'm okay right. with that, but at least it communicates two things. I know you well enough that I see, I recognize something's wrong yes. and I care enough to ask about it and, and care even deeply enough that I'm willing to get into this with you, if you will, and, yes. and hear you and help you and, and so forth. And, uh, to me, that's a, uh, as you say, that's going to build a loyalty in your team members that they will follow you into anything. Yes. Totally agree. Yes. Well, Kingsley, I, you know, I have kind of highlighted and hit on my favorite parts and sections of the book and, and those that I think are really, really important, but you're the author. I'm sure you have some favorite parts of the book as well. Is there any other parts of the book you'd like to share with the audience? Maybe that I didn't highlight. Yeah, you know, um, thank you so much, Michael, because I, I, one of the things that I mentioned that I talk about quite often is the idea of um, a leader being uh, both a thermostat as well as a thermometer. And right. so a leader has to realize that he or she sets the tone or the temperature of the team that they're leading. And so they need to make certain that they're setting the right temperature. Is it comfortable enough for everyone to be able to perform at their at their optimum and then also be very much aware of how the temperature is and they need to go by using that thermometer to reset that temperature and constantly adjusting it so that they always have the right temperature so people will feel comfortable enough safe enough to want to perform mm. at their best and so i would simply say become both a thermostatic leader and a thermometer kind of leader. When you are able to do those two things, you will have a better chance of succeeding where others failed. Oh, that's great. Uh, Kingsley, thanks for sharing that. I love that analogy. You know, a good leader is certainly going to represent, if you will, the, the culture, uh, yes. much like a thermometer does, but a leader is also going to influence that culture much like a thermostat does. So I greatly appreciate that analogy. I, I like right. that. Uh, well, as we kind of wrap up here, I, I certainly want to give our audience some information as to how to best connect with you. Uh, before I do that, I will say that 
Uh, I'm going to leave a link uh, in the show notes to your book. So the audience that's listening, they can use that link that's in the show notes and head right over to Amazon. And, and I highly encourage you to pick up a copy of the book because it is a really, really good book. But of those listeners that want to connect with you in a, in a deeper and different way, Kingsley, how would you recommend that they reach out to you? Michael, thank you so very much for allowing me to share that with your audience. And so if you go to kingsleygrant.com, K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-N-T, kingsleygrant.com, whatever you need is there. And also I have a podcast, The Kingsley Grant Show. And you can also listen to Michael's interview on that show. He did a fantastic job. And you can find it again at kingsleygrant.com slash podcast. And you have access to all the shows there as well. So I want to just mention that as a way to connect with me on social media, just Kings of Grant. So my name, Kings of Grant, is really what you need to remember. You can find me um, on all the platforms that way, but also on my website. Thank you so much, Michael. Excellent. Thanks, Kingsley. And, and uh, I'll just tell my audience, I'm a subscriber and a regular listener to the to your podcast as well. And uh, so I highly recommend that. And uh, and uh, I know on your website, you, you post articles, but you also put those on LinkedIn. So yes. in terms of social media, connect with you via Kingsley Grant on, I know you're very active on LinkedIn. So I read a lot of your articles there as well. So uh, just again, recommend the book and also what you're doing uh, there, Kingsley. I I recommend our audience connect with you in any way that they can. So uh, to you, Kingsley, let me say thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, this episode. Uh, And I really, I'm honored to be, uh, if you will, in this fight with you to uh, educate and to equip and to build up leaders that people want to follow, right? And build up leaders that will succeed where others are failing. And an emotional intelligence is certainly an area to do that. So I'm honored to be in the fight with you. And uh, I I hope and uh, I'm sure that we will collaborate and work together, uh, you know, again in the future. And and until we do that, I, I just wish for you to be blessed and lead well. Thank you so much, Michael. You too. Okay, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kingsley Grant. Uh, as I mentioned in the podcast recording there, I will have links in the show notes to Kingsley's book. I highly recommend the book. Uh, be sure you check that out. You're going to want to read this book. And also it was mentioned in the the podcast there that I was recently a guest, made a guest appearance on Kingsley's sh- uh, podcast and his show as well. And so I'll in the show notes, I'll include links to that as well. By the way, you can find the show notes for today's episode at rookieleaders.com, rookieleaders.com. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the previous episodes as well. So I encourage you to go there, rookieleaders.com. You'll find these show notes, find the link, links in that show note, those show notes to Kingsley's book, as well as my guest appearance on his show. Uh, obviously, if you uh, are looking for other great leadership content, head over to credibleleaders.com. Credibleleaders.com is where you can find lots of other um, leadership content, coaching opportunities, things like that. So head over to credibleleaders.com. And as always, let me ask you to subscribe to the podcast. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, I hope you'll consider doing that so that you are ensured that you receive uh, each episode as we release those each and every week. And I would greatly appreciate a rating and review of the podcast. I, I certainly hope you enjoyed this interview with Kingsley Grant. And if so, I, I hope you'll head over to iTunes or whatever your podcast directory of choice is and rate and review the podcast that helps us out. And again, be sure to share the podcast with others, your friends, your family, your colleagues, 
uh, via social media, email, text, uh, word of mouth, whatever it might be. I hope you will uh, consider sharing the podcast with your family and your friends and your colleagues. And listen again, until we speak again, until the very next episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast, my wish for you is to be blessed and lead well. podcast has ended but never fear you can find other binge worthy podcast episodes at rookieleaders.com if you like this episode please rate and write a review in itunes if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast and remember to share this episode with your friends and colleagues looking for leadership lessons of their own we appreciate your support for more great leadership content head over to credibleleaders.com